during the last prayer intense, that's when I I kind of felt this word in my spirit, and you know, um, I just decided to share about it today. Um, we are going to explore the love of God. Uh, we are going to look at it from the book the book of Romans. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to read the entire chapter, but I think I'll just read the latter part and just you know summarize the the earlier verses just for context. So I'll start from the verse 28, Romans 8 from the verse 28. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also Mm -hmm. did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among the brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he called them also. And whom he did call, he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. says, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. Mm. It is God that justifies. Mm. Verse 34, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Mm. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution mm. or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, nor heights or depth, nor creatures shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So tonight we're going to, like I said, explore the love of God. And, you know, as we tend to do, I've kind of titled this message, We Are More Than Conquerors. Um, Maybe by the time I end, there will be a different title. But let's start with this and we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Hallelujah. Um, so just for, for the sake of context, let me just give you a background to this. Um, the people in Rome were in tremendous amounts of pressure from society. The um, Christians, the believers at the time were facing so much persecution, you know, immorality and all that. There was so much pressure. Um, we could compare it to our days today, you know, um, with a lot of things going on and, you know, persecution of Christians in some areas of the world and all that. Um, and all this chaos created a sense of hopelessness um, among even the people of Christ, um, that's the Christians. And we know when there is no hope, there is, you know, in areas where there is no hope, suicide rate increases. There's a lot of um, criminal activities because people don't know, well, if, if I don't know what the end of my life is going to be, or if there is no meaning to my life, then I just live my life anyhow, Right. And I don't see the need to even live. So that's when we see all sorts of things going on when there is no hope. So Paul, knowing what was going on at the time, decided to write this letter to, to the believers just to give them some assurance, 
you know, of their salvation, assurance of the love of Christ for them. Um, and we are going to be looking at that. Um, in Romans, from the verse 1 to 11, we did not read it, but just um, giving you a brief summary of what it says. Paul tells them what Christians have been made to be through the grace of God and by the work of Jesus Christ. He tells them that there is no condemnation for them in Christ and that they are a new creature. And um, he tells them who they really are in Christ. He tells them that they have contributed nothing. It's all by the work of God and it's by his grace that they are who they are. Um, in, the ver- in the verses from 12 to 17, he tells them more about the spirit, how that they should not live after the flesh, but after the spirit, because that is who they are now. They have been indwelt by the spirit of God. Um, they are new creatures. He gave them some practical exhortation on you know, how the Christian should live. Um, from the verse 18 to 30, he comforts them. He gives them some words of comfort. He talks about the glory of God that is to come as something that will enable them to go through the hard times, to go through trials. Um, he talks about the Holy Spirit interceding for them with groans too deep for words. And, you know, in order to encourage them that they know, you know, God is with them, Jesus is interceding with them in whatever they were going through. Um, he talks about the Father's kindness and compassion and over all things, including what we're going through. And he gives them, you know, several reasons why they should keep going on, even in the worst times of their lives. In verse 31, I read that part, but um, just to continue my summary here, he, he throws out some questions. Actually, from the verse 31 to 34, he threw um, a few questions. He says, what shall we then say to all this? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? In verse 33, 34, he asks two more questions. He says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? And these, these were people who were actually facing, um, you know, all the, um, the law enforcers at the time because they were preaching the gospel. And yet he's telling them that who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Telling them that, you know, there, there is something more than those physical, you know, things they were facing those physical charges men were bringing against them. There is something more than that. He says, who can bring a charge against God's elect? And who is him that condemns? If God has come to our rescue through Christ, who is now our justifier? Paul is saying, okay, so now who can accuse us? The scripture, he says, it is God who justifies. So who can accuse us? Who can accuse us? They could accuse us that we are preaching the gospel, but indeed, you know, these are men who, are, who can just, you know, kill our flesh. But our spirit man, they cannot accuse because Christ has taken our place or their place at the time that he was. It applies to us though. So he says, who is going to condemn us? And in the scripture, he, he explains further. He says, if God has condemned Christ in our place for all those who believe in him, who is exactly going to raise that condemnation against us when Christ has already been condemned for us? Are we getting it? He says, Christ has been condemned for us. So now who can condemn us? If we feel condemned, that means we don't really understand what went on when Jesus died on the cross for us. So he was assuring the believers of their faith in Christ. Um, I mean, he knew believers, and it did not just start in our generation, but since in their time until now, people have struggled with the assurance of even their salvation, assurance of the love of Christ for them. So he was assuring them you know, of their salvation, was assuring them that in, in all those things that they were going through, that men were doing to them, and you know everything that was going on in society, he was assuring them that you know 
God's unchanging love is still with them and was assuring them that indeed their salvation is secured. So they have to live it out. They have to live out that life in Christ. So I want us to explore more about the love of Christ. I want us to, I want us to get it because I believe, you know, we are in a time where um, I'll not say challenging times, I'll just say strange times um, because a lot of things are happening that um, a lot of people did not anticipate. So it has created a lot of, you know, people are overwhelmed with stuff. And even, I mean, pre-COVID, you know, a, a lot of things have been going on behind the scenes and even the ones that we experienced by ourselves that has caused people to you know, question, you know, why God and, you know, God, you really love me because of maybe certain situations they've been through. And some people believe uh, we have to do A, B, C, D for, for our salvation to be secured and all that. But we want, to, we want to look at it from the perspective of Scripture. You know, what does the Scripture actually says about So um, just a few rhetorical questions I want to throw out there. Have you ever wondered about your salvation? Have you found yourself in circumstances or conditions that have made you doubt God's love? Uh, maybe not even yourself. Maybe you know somebody who has you, you know, is God really there? You know, why am I going through this and this and that? And you do not even know what to tell the person because you know the person was going through something really, really, really difficult. Now, have, has your assurance been undercut by situations that you've gone through that were so painful? And mm. I, I'm not saying this to undermine certain things that people have gone through that were, or that was, or even that is, you know, very hard. And I know a lot of time, you know, you go to maybe a pastor, an elder, whoever, you know, to share your experience for prayer or for advice. And, I mean, people tell, um, you know, they tell the pastor, you know, you don't really understand what I'm going through because you've not gone through it before. And, and I totally get it. Like, if you, if you come share something with me, I've not been through it, there is no way I can get it unless maybe God reveals to me or what. But the, the thing is, I, I don't actually need to experience what you've been through. I don't actually need to get it. The thing you... I'm just a vessel. God understands. God gets it. God gets it. So you, 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 don't, you don't have to worry. Maybe the pastor, whoever does not get it, you know, God gets it. And he, he's just a vessel. And through him, um, God, is, God is going to speak to that situation and, and, and comfort you, give you the strength or whatever you need in that particular situation. Hallelujah. The distinguishing mark of a Christian is his confidence in the love of Christ. That affects, that affects the way we live our lives. If we understand the love of Christ, that affects the way we live our lives. And, and we'll see that shortly here, but we see that clearly in the scriptures, how the apostles lived their lives. Their lives. Paul, even writing this, this um, was in prison. And, how, and why was he able to write all these things? Because he understood the love of Christ. He wasn't there crying, you know, why God and why me? And if I'm in this situation, how can I encourage somebody else? How can I, you know, in, in a situation that seems to be bondage, be encouraging somebody else that God is, is just an understanding and strength that he got from God, knowing the love of Christ. That, you know, that some things on the flesh may seem as, you know, tough. It may seem like you don't have faith. It may seem like, you know, you are very weak. But in all those things, the love of God is still being exhibited. Hallelujah. How can we be confident and so sure of God's love? And what's the basis of our confidence? What is it that Paul knew that we don't know? Or what is it that Paul had that we don't have now? You know, we read scriptures about the love of God. You know, God is love. 
Um, we love him because he first loved us. Um, the love of Christ constrains us. You know, we read scriptures like, like that, and all that tells us is, you know, it, it, is, it is all about God. We see that God is love and not man. I mean, we can talk about the different kinds of love, and, you know, someone will say, well, even the Muslim, well, they get married and they love their wives. You know, we can talk about all that, but I'm talking about the agape love of God, which is in only Christ, which mm-hmm. is in God only. And, and that is only believers who can really experience that. And man without God is empty of that love. We, we who have God now, we have that love through the Holy Spirit. Because only God is love and his people, who he, has in, who he is. The Bible says that Christ loved us and he gave up himself for us. Mm-hmm. And this is the ground and confidence of, of our, our understanding of Christ's love. Because Jesus stood in our place at the cross and suffered on our behalf and was raised on the third day that we also will be lifted up. This is, mm. this is the basis. This is the basis of it. And this is where we have the confidence. You know, how do I know that even in the, the most difficult situations, God is with me because he died for me. If he was able to take his life and suffer mm. for me on the cross, what else, what, what else can he not do for me? Hallelujah. If he sacrificed himself for me, and he gave up his life to save me, then there is nothing to fear. There should be no insecurity. This is more than enough assurance. This is more than enough assurance. Hallelujah. The verse 32 of Romans 8 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? And this is what I was talking about. He did not spare his own son. He gave up his life for me, that I'll be reconciled to the Father. So if he was able to do that by taking his own life, then what, what else? What else am I expecting? What else am I expecting? For example, if let's say I'm going through a situation or, you know, um, yeah, I'm going through a situation and um, I'm supposed to be killed. And all the entry comes and says, oh, you know, I'm going to take um, Bennett's place. You know, just kill me in place of, of Bennett. And, you know, by God's grace, let's say, Oh, the entry is released, he's spared, and the case is dismissed. Do you not think from that day I'm going to trust the entry for, you know, I'm go- I can trust him for everything or anything because this guy was able to come stand there and say, well, I'll die for Bennett. So mm-hmm. is there anything that's going to cause me to doubt his love for me? Nothing. Nothing is going to cause me to doubt his love for me because at that point where I was supposed to die, he stood in and said, no, I'll die for him. And that's the same with Christ. Nothing should cause us to doubt his love for us. Absolutely nothing. Because he took our place. And he suffered for us. Sometimes we forget that part. That he suffered for us. He was beaten for us. And he went through all sorts of things. That God, God in his glory, should not, he was treated like, like a, a criminal. A man who was perfect with no sin for our sake. That alone is enough to know that indeed God loves us. So we are, we, are, we are confident today because we know we are loved. We are not worried because we know someone cares and is looking after us. Hallelujah. So Paul is saying, or Paul is not saying actually that if you love Christ or if you love him enough or if you do A, B, C, D 
or if, if you, you serve him enough, then you will have assurance of your salvation or you have, you, you have his full um, love or, you know, he's going to stand in for you in situations. Paul is not saying, you know, if we do this and that and that. Paul is saying that he first loved you and he did all that for you. Now you are in him. So that is secured. It's not about you. It's about what he has done, not about what, what you are doing in return. It has nothing to do with you. The thing is, okay, you said yes to him. So now that assurance should be there and you should experience and feel that love that he has for you. You know, as for you responding to the love, that is, that is secondary. The primary thing is that he loves you. The primary thing is that he died for you, he suffered for you. And that is enough assurance of his, his love for you and of your salvation. Don't think about, okay, um, I, I, need to, I need to do A, B, C, D. I need to, I need to do this and that. And, and through that, I'm going to secure my salvation. Or through that, I'm going to experience his love. No, it's not about you. Don't think about that. It's not about you. The moment you begin to think about that, then the enemy will start plaguing you with guilt and, and with uh, you know, all sorts of things and, and lies. And then we begin to think, oh, maybe I'm not worth it. Worth it. But the thing is, it's not about you. It's just by his grace. It's just by his grace. It's just by his grace. Knowing this secures our sense of salvation and our assurance of his love for us. And it delivers us from the lies and the guilt of the enemy. Hallelujah. Paul said that nothing, no earthly circumstance or situation can divide us from God's saving love. Nothing. He talked about, he said, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril. He says, none of these things can separate us from God's love. I said earlier on, you see, I don't need to understand your situation. You know, I, I probably don't even want to understand it because, you know, well, that, that's not the point. The whole point is that God still loves you and God will see you through. Hallelujah. Tribulation and trouble cannot separate us from the love of Christ. He says distress or hardship cannot separate us. And he was talking about, you know, the difficult internal or external pressures that comes upon us sometimes through life. So we might be facing grief or suffering, you know, on the outside that is causing some inner turmoil, you know, that nobody understands. But he's saying that in all that, God loves you. And all those things you are going through doesn't mean, you know, um, God doesn't love you or you probably have to do A, B, C, D to get him to love you more and take that from you. No. He says, that's all this cannot separate us from the love of Christ. He talked about nakedness and hunger. He talked about peril. He says, none of these things can separate us from the love of Christ. Why? Because the ultimate ground of our salvation and our assurance is not found in circumstances, nor in mm -hmm. our response to his love, but it is found in his love for us and his purposes for us. Hallelujah. You know, let me repeat that. This is the ultimate ground of our assurance of mm -hmm. his love and salvation is not found in any circumstance we go through or in our response to his love, but it's found in his love for us. It's found in his love for us. The Bible says, God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever will believe in him shall be saved and have an everlasting life. It's all about what he did for us. He loved us when we, we probably did not even know, it, you know, that we were even in sin heading to hell. He loved us. Hallelujah. There is nothing that can displace his love. Nothing. Nothing that can undercut his love. No experience can reduce his love 
or remove it. The fact that maybe you are going through something terrible and somebody is supposedly enjoying life doesn't mean God loves the person more than you. That's not what it means. And that doesn't mean uh, you probably have to do something more for God to love you more and, you know, all that. That's not what it means. That's not what it means. In the same Romans 8 that we read, it says, All things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. All things, all things, all things are working together. Don't let anyone make you feel less of a Christian because of some mm-hmm. challenge or hardship you've been through. You know, people say all sorts of things, you know. You are going through certain things and, um, you know, you, you don't have faith or, you know, all sorts of things. Don't let anyone make you feel um, less of a Christian or make you feel not loved by God because of certain things that you've been through. Don't let anyone make you feel that way. And that was, what, that was the message Paul was conveying to the people of God. Mm-hmm. That yes, you are going through all this persecution and all these things, but just be reminded that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Absolutely nothing. You see, God's people are not strangers to suffering. Right from day one, you know, there have been persecutions, there have been all sorts of things that people go through for him. For him, in, in the verse 36 of Romans 8, it says, For his sake we are being put under, uh, we are being put to death all day long. Like sheep, we are being led to the slaughter. We, we, when we get overwhelmed by sufferings like this, we tend to doubt God sometimes. We feel separated from his love for, you know, um, and, and it's all part of the enemy strategy. You go through certain things like this. He brings all sorts of ideas just so we, we doubt God. And, and that affects our work with him and even our service for the kingdom of God. And sometimes we go through suffering and stuff because of our own mistakes. And, and you know, it, it, it's okay. God still loves you and his purposes for you still stand. His purposes for you still stand. Paul emphasized that nothing in time or eternity, space in distance, can divorce us from his love or his, from God's love for us. Nothing, no supernatural, no spiritual thing, not even the devil can separate us from the love of Christ. Not even the devil. And I know you've heard on this line several, several, several times that our salvation in Christ is secured. Not even the devil can destroy that. Not even the devil. The enemy, he's a defeated fool. He's defeated. He has no power unless we give him access. He, he has no power. He has no power. God loves us and, and, and that is the truth that we, ha- we need to get into our minds and our hearts today. I guess that's my mission today, that we understand this. And regardless of situation that comes our way, we know that indeed he loves us and, and our salvation in Christ is secured. You know, having that mindset really affects the way we live our lives. And knowing that the enemy is, de- is a defeated foe and he has no hand in, in he, he, he cannot affect the way God loves us. And he cannot actually prevent us from walking in in the grace and in the benefits that we have as a result of Christ's death on the we should, we should know that and know that indeed we have power through the, the work that Christ did for us on the Hallelujah. And, you know, as I was reading the scripture, you know, I had a thought, you know, many of us, we go through life and certain situations and we say things like, you know, um, God has helped me to endure you know, certain situations um, or trials in life. We say things like, you know, the trials have made me stronger, going through hard things have made me stronger. 
You know, I even heard, I've heard some pastors say, you know, the things they've gone through um, have left some scars that makes them um, even stronger because, well, those are things they can show to others just so they know that, well, indeed, they've been through a lot of things for Christ and all that, which is, which is all through, and there's absolutely no problem with it. But, you know, look at the perspective that Paul had. Even through all the things that he was going through, um, in Second Corinthians 11, Paul, Paul named, you know, he listed some of the things he went through. He talked about how he was imprisoned, he was flogged, he was beaten, he was stoned, persecuted, uh, went without food, all kinds of dangers and, and all that. But here he's writing that, he says, in all these things, you are more than conquerors. Mm. Amen. You see, this doesn't make sense to the human mind. You see, I'm going through all these things, or you are going through all these things, and you are saying that you are more than a conqueror. Are you not a loser? You were beaten, and you say you are more than a conqueror. You were hungry, and you say you are more than a conqueror. You were persecuted, and you say you are more than a conqueror. He says, in all these things, you are more than a conqueror. Despite all the sufferings, you are more than a conqueror. What, what Paul is saying, Paul is seeing it from a different perspective. That you see, your your, your neighbor might, might look at you and say, you know, see this believer, this person is defeated. I don't want to be like him or her, you know. But God is looking at you, saying, "I'm proud of you." God is looking at you, saying, "You are more than a conqueror." Hallelujah! In all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. He did not say that in some of these difficulties that God will, will help you in some of them. He did not say God will remove, you know, all the persecutions and those things and make you immune to them. No. The fact that you're a believer doesn't mean you are immune from all these things. No. That's not what the scripture says. It says that in all those things, you are more than conqueror. In all those things. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what you're thinking now, but, you know, I believe I'm more than a conqueror, regardless of situations of life, regardless of circumstances that come away. I believe I am more than a conqueror. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. No matter what you encounter in life, you have in Christ more than enough strength and more than enough help to go through it. He's, he's more than enough. He's greater than anything that we, we might go through in the future or even now. He's more than it, enough. He's more than enough. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the book of John, Jesus said that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this life you will have trouble. You know, Jesus did not say that those, the immature believers will have trouble. That's not what Jesus said. He's telling them, everybody, every, everybody, in this life you will have trouble. But you know, while you are going through that, just know that I have overcome the world. Just know that I have overcome the world. Just know you are more than a conqueror. The apostles in the early church, uh, like I said earlier on when I started, that there were men who knew the love of Christ and trusted God in all situations. And believers at that time, and even today, but I'm just using them as an example, they suffered many trials and sufferings. They were persecuted, you know, because of their faith. Opposed. Um, you know, we could go read about the way they, 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 they died especially the apostles, strange deaths, you know, they were hanged and, you know, all sort of things just for the gospel. And these are the people, you know, they are saying here that they were more than conquerors. But look at all what they went through. Look at all what they went through. These people did not speak of the love of Christ like it was a myth to be respected or some tradition, you know, but, but it was a reality to them. 
and they casted their whole confidence on it. Mm. They understood the love of Christ not as any, you know, material thing or physical thing that they were experiencing, but they knew it was a spiritual thing, which is greater than this current world that we live in. So they did not care about what man will say or, or what man would. That's what Paul can say. Hello? Um. That's what Paul can say, that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because he was not thinking about, about this world. And, you know, I mean, no, nobody wants to die. But in this world, we, we, we are striving more for the things of this world than even for, for eternity, for what we'll achieve in eternity. We are striving more for the things in this world. Very few people can say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. They'll, they'll probably say the first part, for me to live in, is Christ. They'll not say the second part, what if they die? That's, what that's wrong confession. That's wrong confession. Hallelujah. Amen. The apostles, the love with the felt, or they understood about the love, the, the Lord Jesus Christ was not, you know, some quiet emotions, you know, that was just in their heart, but it was the passion that drew them or move them to do what they did because they understood the love of the Father. They understood the love of the Father for them. They rejoiced even in prison and they enjoyed the, the peace of God. Today, if a pastor is put in prison, probably people will stop going to his church. Ah, this pastor is not powerful. I'm going to look for that, pro that prophet in the corner there. That guy is powerful. No man can touch him. But these apostles were put in prison and this, they were calling, these are the people that he was Referring to, they are, it says, in all these things, you are more than conquerors. In all these things, you are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. They love God in spite of all that they went through. And they were not afraid of the enemy. They were not afraid of what man would do to them. Because they knew that God is almighty. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Mm. Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors because we fight from a place of victory. Before even the, the, the fight starts, we know we are victorious. Hallelujah. I know we, we've said um, in prayer um, several times that prayer is a place of victory. Because we come and, and we, we lay down things at the foot of Jesus. And the Bible says that whatever you pray for in the name of Jesus is how they established. So we finish mm -hmm. prayer, we know that it is done. So is it, if, if you go for a prayer meeting or you pray in your closet, wherever, and you finish praying and you feel defeated, then there is a problem. Then there is a problem. Then there is a problem. Because prayer is a place of victory. God is the Almighty. And you come to Him in the name of Jesus, you know that it is done. That His will is, is fulfilled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We fight from a place of victory for the truth to be manifested in our lives, in the lives of others, you know, and the truth to be revealed in the lives of others, and even in our own lives. It's from a place of victory. We don't engage in, you know, spiritual battles for our own selfish motive, you know, for any other person. But it is that God's will should be established. Mm. That God's will should be established. Hallelujah. See, Paul, Paul had an understanding that we should have today. See, he knew that he was more than a cop. And even if he died, and although th th that death might look like defeat in the face of man, he knew that he, he was going to lose nothing. It was gain. He said, for me to die is gain. Because he was doing the Father's will. So even if he died, then, you know, people are like, ah, Osofo Paul, this pastor, powerful man, and he has died. Man will say all sorts of things, but if it's, so far as God's will is established, 
it is gain. It is gain. He understood the father's love. For him. So he just go, you know, to all ends to do whatever he want, whatever the father wanted him to do, with no fear of what man would do to him, and no no fear of what you go through. He said he went through hunger and suffering. Hallelujah. Amen. So Paul, Paul was telling them all these things, and I believe it is for us as well, so that they will know, they will know all these things, they will understand, they are, they will understand the the Father's love for them. They will be assured of their salvations. They will know these things and they will think of all these things as they go through life and they go through, you know, certain trials and and, and sufferings and all that. And even in our day today, I believe, you know, all the things that are going on, all this, you know, racism and, um, you know, the COVID-19 and all these things going on. And I know some people have lost jobs and all that and they're asking you know why 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 me and why all these things going on well it's not that the father doesn't love you his love for you is intact don't let the enemy deceive you with all sort of words he loves you in all these things he loves you the bible says that since you've been raised new life with christ set your sights or set your minds on the realities of heaven and that version will say on things above where christ is seated in the place mm-hmm. of honor at the right hand of god he says, think about these heavenly things, not about earthly things. The earthly things you are going through, yes, it might, be, it might be hard for your flesh to take it. It might be hard for your flesh to take it. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Mm-hmm. In all these things, I believe that's the core of my message today. That in all those things that might seem very tough for your flesh mm-hmm. to take, in, in that thing, you are more than a conqueror. Yes, someone on the outside will say, ah, you are defeated. But I want to assure you that in all that, you are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. In that, you are more than a conqueror. Yes, you are still victorious. It might not look like that on the outside, but on the inside, you know that you are victorious. You are still victorious. Mm. Hallelujah. Amen. It all begins by focusing on and agreeing with the truth. You have to agree with that truth that comes through God's word, that comes through his spirit inside. You know that indeed, yes, we are new creations in Christ. And this is who Christ has made us to be now. The Bible says that whatsoever things are true in Philippians 4, 8, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. He says, think on these things. And for me, you know, the, the, only, the only word that qualifies with this Philippians 4, 8 description is God's word. I mean, there, there, there could be other, you know, things that will can be true and lovely and all that. But the only one that undoubtedly will pass all these tests 100% is God's word. He says, focus, meditate on these things. Because in tough times, it's very easy for you to think, well, you know, even, even in, uh, let's say, marriages and in homes, you know, people have small issue with, um, in the family, and they, they feel, oh, my spouse doesn't love me and all that. Meanwhile, maybe they've been married 30 years. So for that 30 years, when, even before the 30 years, when you were caught in and you were saying, I love you and all that, where did the love go? But maybe because of a small problem or, you know, something went on and, you know, then it's just like, okay, well, this person doesn't love me. And sometimes as humans, we, we express that to God because of certain things that have gone on, maybe due to our fault or even no fault of ours, we feel that God doesn't really love us or he loves um, he loves Uncle Ben more than me, and why is it that things are going on well for him and, you know, not me? You know, in, in, just know that God loves you regardless of situation. Mm. 
Just, just know that God loves you. Just know that in that problem, you are more than a conqueror. Amen. You are more than a conqueror. Don't look at the current situation. Just know. Have that mindset. Have that mindset. And let Philippians 4, 8 guide your thoughts. Let it guide your thoughts. What you read, what you meditate. The enemy will try to bring people your way that will cause you to think that you are defeated. He'll cause you, you know, he'll bring all sorts of thoughts your way that will make you think you're a defeated person and the, the, the father doesn't love you and all that. Know that in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. As I was saying earlier on, Paul was writing from prison. He was, he was locked up in an unpleasant situation, an awful condition. Not sure whether he would die or live. You know, was Paul a superhuman or did he have some miraculous power that we don't have? No. He just, he just knew something that we are learning today. Mm. He had that assurance that it's not about whether my stomach is full today. If I don't have food on the table today, that doesn't mean God doesn't love me. That doesn't mean I don't have faith. In all that, I am more than a conqueror. I'm assured that indeed he loves me. Just mm. like he loves, he, he loves my pastor, whoever, maybe he's uh, maybe a, a Duncan Williams or a Dagwood Mills or a, you know, Benny Hinn or any big pastor out there, he loves me the same way. He wow. loves me the same way. Don't think about, okay, all the great things they are doing for God. It is great, and you should aspire to do greater. But that is not the condition of God's love for you. Yes, they are doing great things, and you, you probably have not even led one person to Christ. That is okay. God still loves you the same way he loves that person who has led a million people to Christ. He loves you the same way. Yes, you have one dollar in your account and another person has a million dollars. God loves you the same way. Hallelujah. I don't want us to be having those thoughts. You know, God, why me? And, you know, God, you know, all those, all those thoughts, you know, negative thoughts about God, you know, that is, that is not the God we serve. The scripture here says, in all those things, you are more than a conqueror. In all those things. Let me conclude here. Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors, not just conquerors, but more than conquerors. Not just in some situations, in all situations. And this is the ground of our confidence of his love for mm-hmm. us. See, Paul's point was, the, was that the believers should have this, this attitude. They should have this confidence as they go through life. So regardless of what they go through, the first thing is not, you know, God, why me? Or God, why am I going through this? No, no, no. That, Nothing to shake your understanding or your confidence in Christ's love for you. Nothing. Nothing should shake that. That is intact. So even if you are looking for the cause of your problem, don't, don't go to that side where you start thinking about, okay, maybe I didn't do this much, so God doesn't love me. No, 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 no. Don't think about that. You can think about other things. You know, but don't ever judge God's love for you. Or don't ever judge the... the assurance of your salvation that one is intact that one is primary just leave that one so whenever you go through a problem don't don't think about that just know 100 percent god is for you and nothing can separate itself for you think about other things paul paul is not just telling us this because he had some sort of you know secret miraculous power that enabled him to have this confidence and assurance he's telling us this because believers need to be confident and certain of God's love in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's the confidence 
But that's the basis of our, our hope. That's the basis of our assurance, knowing that indeed Jesus was condemned. Now he took our place. While we were supposed to be condemned, he was condemned. And that, that is the basis. And that's what Paul wants us to understand. Not because he was a, you know, uh, he had some sort of, you know, I mean, these days we, we, we hear preachers um, use their life uh, proofs or things that have gone on in their lives, you know, as example of, you know, of certain things in Scripture, which is okay. But that's not what Paul was doing here. He was not saying, you know, because I've been through this and survived, so I know that God loves me. No, that's not what he's saying. He's not using his life circumstance as a, that God loves me. No, no, no. He's saying that, yes, I went through all this, yet still I was more than a conqueror. Why? Because of what Jesus did. Not because I prayed a lot, or not because I, I was leading a lot of people to Christ, but because Jesus loved me. Because Jesus loved me. You don't, you don't need, you know, a prophet or your pastor to be reminding you of this. I mean, it's, it's okay if they do, but you should know from God's word that mm. God loves you regardless, mm. and nothing can separate His love for you. And your, your, your salvation is secured in Him. Mm. You don't need a prophet to remind you of this. Let's go back to the word and go back to His promises and get the assurance from Him and get the assurance, you know. And, and in these times that we are in, I believe a, a lot of people, not just believers, are, are, are wanting to hear things like this. Like, you know, people don't know you know, unbelievers, and there's so much uncertainty there. You know, what, what is going on? And, and all sort of things going on out there. And this is what people need to hear. I think, was it a couple of weeks ago, last week, that Elder Man was talking about the gospel. You see, these are things that people need to hear. The love of the Father concerning us. You know, so this message might probably not be for you. I mean, it's for you, but, I mean, in current situation it might probably not be for you but there is that sister there is that that brother who is frustrated with things going on who is questioning you know the faith that he or she has believed in just share share this message pass it on freely you have received freely give hallelujah you know just read romans 8 and let a person understand that god loves you regardless of what is going on yes you don't know how you're going to pay the next rent or mortgage or you know, student's loan or whatever, God still loves you. Yes, because of that, you've been evicted. God still loves you. Yes, and you feel like a loser. God says you are more than a conqueror. Mm. Hallelujah. We want to lift up our voices and pray right now. If you want to, want to silence every voice of the enemy, mm. want to silence every voice of the enemy. Mm. You see, the enemy, the enemy has spoken a lot of things in the minds of of believers and it's causing us to feel like we are we are losers it's causing us to feel like we are defeated it's causing us to feel like the father doesn't love us and it's causing us to question god and all that but we want to pray and silence every every voice of the enemy every voice from the pit of hell is silenced right now in the name of jesus